Welcome to Church in the Basement, where we seek to see God more clearly and to live a life loving God and loving others. Hey everyone, it's so good to be back with you. I know it is a Wednesday, so a little bit of a change of pace, but here we are. And we'll be back to the Tuesday schedule next week. I appreciate you guys hanging in there one more day. Um, but we are back in the Gospel of John. I, we took a little bit of a side road last Friday as I asked you to ponder the omni-God. And what I mean by that are the non-communicable attributes of God. So his omniscience, his omnipotence, and his um omnipresence. And we were looking at that through the lens of Psalms 139. Really beautiful scripture on how we view God um, as this all-powerful, all-knowing, and everywhere God. And I, I prayed and I was hoping that through pondering and, and meditating on that scripture that we would come to a place where we just really respect and really love God for who he is and his attributes that are only his, that only he possesses and only he contains and finding comfort in that. And I, I think this is really important as we start in at verse 48 in John 8 because we are really getting to one of the most heated moments in any conversation that Jesus has with anyone. Um, And it really escalates pretty fast. And we've seen some jabs back and forth um, as Jesus has been talking with these Jews, but it's going to turn up real quick here in verse 48. So let's read and then we'll talk about it a little bit here. So in verse 48, The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, He will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, and as did the prophets. Yet you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died? And the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you, but I do not, but, but I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, 
Before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Wow. So, as you can see, this text really did heat up pretty quick, or this conversation heated up pretty quick. Shots fired right out of the gate. We see the Jews answered him. And remember, last time we were in this text, he was basically talking about, who is your father? My father is the the father God, the one you call the one true God. He is my father. And they say, yeah, he's our father too. And our father is also Abraham. But but they were clinging to this heritage with Abraham and they didn't even know who God was. Because Jesus was saying, if you knew who God was, if you knew God, if you knew father God, you would recognize him in me and I in him. Because we see in Hebrews 1 that Jesus is the exact representation of the father. He's the radiance of father God, right? And so we would they would recognize the Father through the Son. And Jesus was calling that out. And he said, your father is not even Abraham, but your father is the devil because you do the things that the devil would do, lying, murdering, so on and so forth. And so after this, they say, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? So, they're, they're drawing lines, right? There's this clear line, black and white. Of course, none of us see demons. Demons is the easy one for us to understand, right? Like we think of demons as the, the horns, pitchfork, like they're not good when they're portrayed in movies. It's more of like a horror thing. Like they are not the good guys. And maybe there are some plots and scenarios, like maybe some anime somewhere where where the demons are the good guys or whatever that may be. But that's very fantastical. For most of us, we see demons in a negative light. They are the bad guys. So so Jesus is automat- automatically categorized by these Jews as the bad guy. And one step further, he's called a Samaritan. Not to dive too deep into this, because we, we did dive into this as we talked about um, Samaritans in the context of the woman at the well, but as we were back in that text, but sort of to, to draw a little bit of a modern perspective. So a lot of people are really into Harry Potter, right? So there's the, the wizarding world, and then there's the normal people, which are the muggles, right? And the, the wizarding world is somewhat okay with, with the people who don't have a knack for wizarding, right? Uh, who are the normal people, right? The muggles. But there is something that is far worse than being one side or the other. It's being a half-breed, being half-muggle and half-wizard, and that's a mudblood, right? And there are some characters within that story who are categorized as a mudblood that are that are looked down upon, that they carry this weight of being a mudblood, Right? And so something we can, those of you who are into Harry Potter or know about Harry Potter, that's an easy comparison. Another popular book series slash movie series that maybe we can draw to uh, the Divergent series. Kim loves, my wife, 
loves the Divergent series. It's great. Um, I think they did a great job with the movies too. Didn't read the books, but it sounds like it was a pretty good representation. But there are all these different factions that you can fall into. And if you are categorized in one of those factions, you are categorized as worth something. Like you have something to contribute in the world. But if you don't, you are factionless. And so being worthless. So in sort of this modern perspective, we see Samaritans as being like mudbloods in Harry Potter or factionless and divergent. Or we could go one step further and, and go very, very modern, real time and insert any racial slur that could stir up a huge controversy on the internet or even worse because those seeds are planted in human hearts these ideas of racial superiority that people would die because of it like we see these realities around us all the time and they are leaning into this word samaritan that had so much weight behind it so much weight behind it they are slinging full insults at jesus at this point And Jesus very calmly comes back and he says, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. And you can tell from this perspective, he's saying, I know who my father is and you guys are dishonoring me. You can hear in his voice, as we've talked about in this text, you can see And hear the compassion in these words that he's saying, listen, you are dishonoring me. I know the father. I know the one that you think you're aligned with, but you're dishonoring me. So you're dishonoring him. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is there is one who seeks it and he is the judge. And he's saying this debate is not between necessarily you and me, but the father sees it all. And I am glorified by the father and he is the judge of it all. Granted, we see that Jesus, father, son, Holy Spirit, that they are all one, but in his role on earth, carrying out the will of the father, he's like, it all comes back to the father that he is ultimately the judge over what is true and what is not true here. And I am the exact representation of that father. And so let me tell you the truth here. In the midst of these jabs and these, these slams against Jesus, calling him the bad guy, like the worst of the worst, a demon, when we're talking on, spirit, on a spiritual level, We're on a faith level. It doesn't get worse than a demon in anyone's heart or anyone's mind, right? And then on an earthly perspective, they call him a Samaritan, which is the worst of the worst, the worst that they could call someone in that day and age because of their superiority complex. They basically tried to shove him as far down in the ground verbally as possible. And and he comes back with the loving truth. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. And he's giving them the answer to live. He's giving them the greatest, most loving statement. He's saying, listen to my word and keep it in your heart. And you will never see death. It's like when someone tries to kill you and you save their life, not just their life here on earth, but he is saving them eternally. He is giving them the gospel. 
He is being so loving in the midst of this. And their retort is now we know that you have a demon. They get so caught up on this fact that Abraham died and the prophets died and everyone we know has died. Everyone that we put our faith and our trust in, Abraham, this lineage that we come from, and even the prophets who heard from God, they all died. So what are you saying here? You are totally whack, man. And they're saying, are you greater than our greatest idol, this Abraham? Again, that they are staking, putting all their eggs in the Abraham basket. They're saying, this is where we put our faith. This is where we put our trust. We know we've got his blood in our veins. And Jesus continues to say, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is the Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our Lord, but you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you, but I do not know him, and I keep his words. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day, and he saw it and was glad. So again, he's calling them into truth. He's saying, whether you guys like it or not, there is an absolute truth. It's so funny because with my daughters, they get in these arguments and I'll have sweet little Ella run up to me and say, dad, 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 uh, Addie's saying that this purple piece of paper isn't purple. And I have to look at her, and it's a great opportunity to teach absolute truth that, Ella, is the paper purple? Yes. Is the fact that Addie says it's not purple, does it change the fact that it's purple? No. So the paper is still purple, even if Addie says that? Yes. Because it's an absolute truth. And I feel like Jesus is doing the same thing here. He's saying, guys, you don't get it. Whether you like it or not, you're drawing lines in the sand. You're saying I'm a demon. You're saying I am your enemy, your racial enemy. I am your spiritual enemy. But what I'm saying is it, it doesn't matter what you think. This is the truth that the Father sent me. And he glorifies me, and I am on a mission from him to save you. And Abraham rejoiced in that. He was the beginning of this rescue plan. You don't realize that Abraham followed me. He experienced me. He walked with me. He talked with me. And there's many speculation that when it says, Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day, and he saw it and was glad that this refers to one specific moment, and there are several different locations in Genesis that you could speculate. I believe it's Genesis 12, uh, Genesis 17, uh, Genesis 20, or 22, maybe, if I'm remembering right. Um, If you have a, a study Bible, it should tell you, but one of those texts, um, it may specifically hone into that, but I am more of the side of erring on the fact that Jesus um, 
and Abraham had a relationship that they walked with one another, that they talked with one another because Abraham had this constant faith. And we all know that faith isn't this one go, like I'm going to wake up one day, have faith, and it's easy to have faith the rest of my life. No, it's a choice every single day to trust in God. And God is always faithful to remind us that he is there, that he is working, that he is with us. That he is present. And Jesus says this thing when they get all wigged out that says, you are not yet 50 years old, which a little bit of a rabbit trail. I think it's funny that they're saying 50 years old when he was around in his 30s, right? Because obviously we see scriptures where it says Jesus was the man of sorrows and maybe he was wearing the weight of, in, in the way that he looked, that he was wearing the weight of what he had to do because he, and think about it, like walking this earth and seeing your creation, your children rebel against you everywhere you go, man, that would be hard. That would be so hard. This creation that you love so much, and it makes me think of, You know, presidents, when they go into the presidency, they look like pretty good because they're politicians and, um, you know, they 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 look pretty good. You know, they're taken care of. And then when they come out of the presidency, they look totally haggard, like they have 200 times more wrinkles and look way older. And then a few years after, they're so much they look so much better. Right. There's obviously a stress and a weight in leading America. Um, But. I don't know if that's what they're referring to because he was, from what we know, like he was in his 30s and they're calling him out for being not yet 50. Maybe that was a landmark, but total rabbit trail. But Jesus is saying, when they're saying, how have you seen Abraham? And this is the real thing that provokes them all. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And this is that statement I'm talking about. He's making this, I am the omni God statement. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And maybe we can look at this in a way where he is just throwing a truth bomb back at them. But in the pattern that I see in this text, in every slam, every slander that they throw at him, he calls them to truth. And I think he's calling them back up to what he said, where he says, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. You see, in this statement, it says that when it says he will never see death. And if anyone keeps my word, remember the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And and when the word became flesh and dwelt among us, it was Jesus, that Jesus came and lived and died and rose again for us. So he will never see death. And this is not something like a, a glance or I think I heard somebody say it's like a glancing word or to see. It's a focus word. This to see death, we'll never have to focus on death. We'll never have to worry about death. We'll never have to put any time or energy into death. We see the Apostle Paul sort of lean into this in 1 Thessalonians. Um, 1 Thessalonians 4. 
Um, if you would listen to this, this is in verse 13. It's really remarkable. It, it says, but we do not want you to be uninformed brothers about those who are asleep, question mark, right? What does that mean? Those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by the word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So Paul is talking about these believers who have fallen asleep, that they're not really dead. Later on, it says those who are dead in Christ in verse 16. So those who are dead in Christ, who can be dead in Christ? No one, because Christ rose and he's seated at the right hand of God with all power and all authority, and he pours out his spirit on his people. So we see in this text that Paul is saying, referring to these believers as falling asleep because they do not die. Yes, that when we taste death in a, sen- in a physical sense, that we do not die. That we are alive with Christ. That we continue on with him. It says, so we will always be with the Lord. And the Lord is what? He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. That when we are with the Lord, we are not dead, but we are alive. And Jesus is calling these Jews who are slinging insults at him, taking the worst blows, the worst jabs. And he's saying, listen, before this this man that you stake all your your." your claim in, all your faith in, all your trust in, that you say his blood is running through your veins and so I am something, so I can make some sort of a life out of my life. He is saying, no, before he was, I am. That he, that I existed before him and I will always exist. You are missing the point. Abraham is not life. I am life. And if you trust in my word, you will never see death. He is calling them to repentance. He is calling them to himself. He is saying, no matter what situation you are in, no matter where you are, no matter how dark life may look, if you come to me and you trust in my word, I am there and I am life, and I will bring life and light and purpose into the darkness that you may be experiencing. And in this dark moment where he is wrestling with the darkness and the fallenness of humanity in the conversation with these Jews that they are rebelling in their greatest way against Jesus, they are arguing with the face of God. 
that he is calling them to repentance and to the truth of his love and his life. And I believe that God is doing the same thing in whatever situation you are in. That maybe this this quarantine is getting to you and, and you're going stir crazy and you want to see people. I know I'm hearing you guys that you are frustrated with where we're at, that we, yes, we shouldn't live in a state of fear. And, and maybe there's family stuff going on. Maybe, maybe you are sick. Maybe, maybe you, it's not COVID-19. Maybe it is, but maybe there's this extreme frustration. Maybe you don't know where your workspace is going to go. Maybe you are having these thoughts of, man, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? And you are experiencing this death and this lack of purpose and this worry and this fear. And what is my life going to amount to? And Jesus is saying, I am right now. Keep my word keep my word, trust in me, hear my voice, that I am, that I saw you from the beginning, from before Abraham. In Colossians 1, we see that he is the vessel of all creation, that he, even in in that Psalms 139, that he knit you together in your mother's womb, that he is all powerful, he is all present, and he is all knowing, and he sees you in your situation. And even to his greatest enemies, he says, I am here. Never, ever, ever feel like you are so far away from God because we see him calling those who are spitting in his face verbally. For those of you who have maybe walked away from him, maybe you haven't taken this quarantine or even the last 10 years of your life to lean into who God is, you are not too far away. That There is nothing you have done that can separate you from the I am. Turn from what you are doing. Come to the love of Jesus Christ and trust in him. Keep his words in your heart and you will never see death. And that starts right now. That doesn't start at any sort of a physical death or falling asleep, as Paul would say. It starts right now that you can experience life in Christ. The I am all present God is with you. In your worry, in your fear, in your ponderings of what this life is all about. And you can never, ever, ever be so far from him that he won't receive you with open arms if you hear him and believe in him. I want you to be blessed by that this week and know that Jesus is with you, that he wants to speak with you, that he wants to, you to know him more. Come to him and experience true life. I love you guys. I hope this was a blessing to you. It is powerful in knowing who God is and how powerful, how present, and how all-knowing he is. We are done with John 8, and we are moving on to John 9. I know we're moving slow through this gospel, but it has been so good. And I love you guys. We'll talk again on Friday. Looking forward to it. 